Happy Monday, and thank you once again for starting your week right here with me, Mark Clare, on the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. And in today's show, we look at an interesting new way to teach kids about the ideas of liberty, or at least introduce them to those ideas through a children's book. We're having an old friend of the show on to talk about that. But first, I want to tell you about another way you can teach people about liberty, another way you can introduce them to the ideas of liberty, and that is through involvement in politics. And not everybody wants to be directly involved in elect politics or loves it as a platform, but many of us came to the ideas of liberty through a politician, through the man named as Ron Paul, and uh, that person's platform in politics gave him a method for spreading the ideas. And in the year 2020, there will be somebody, there will be somebody out there championing the ideas of liberty, or at least we hope that's what they'll be championing, because they will be the Libertarian Party's presidential candidate in 2020, and that candidate will be chosen at the Libertarian National Convention. That is why I encourage you to get involved in the Libertarian Party. Even if you thought you didn't want to get involved, didn't want to get your hands dirty in politics, you can influence who that voice is and the message they are sending. And the only way to do that is to become a member of the party. You can do that through our affiliate link by visiting lp.org slash Lions of Liberty. I will also post a link in today's show notes, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com com slash 421. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Howdy, my Liberty Kitties. My guest today is making her triumphant return to this program. She was one of my very first guests who was kind enough to come on this show back when I was just a wee little lion cub, and she has been with us several times since then and is now back to discuss her new children's book called Nobody Knows How to Make a Pizza. I'm very pleased to welcome back Julie Borowski. Julie, are you ready to roar? I suppose so. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> well, you've worked with us several times, so I already know the answer. Of course you are. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned, um, you uh, it was you were one of my very first guests. I think it was actually episode 12. So before hardly anybody was listening to Lions of Liberty, you were kind enough to come on. So I'm uh, always very appreciative of, uh, you know, my, my first set of guests who just said, okay, I'll go on this guy's podcast, even though I have no idea who it is. Uh, but because there were not, obviously uh, you know, way less people listening back then, I kind of want to go back to your, uh, your libertarian origin story and have you sort of tell that tale again for for everybody out there. How did you first get interested in politics, Julie? And how did you eventually come to be a a embracer of the ideas of liberty? I was a weird kid who cared about politics. I grew up, I was probably eight years old. I was really big into gun rights. As an eight-year-old girl, that's really weird, right? That is an odd odd combination of uh, demographics, yes. (laughs) But I was really into politics and I was a Republican. I suppose because my family was Republicans, I thought Republicans, they love America and everything great. Uh, So I was a Republican. I didn't know any different. Um, Then 9-11 happened and I became a huge neocon, probably because I was so (laughs) afraid of what was happening. Uh, I love George W. Bush. Yeah, let's go to war. Let's bomb them. You know, just, you know, 9-11 just happened recently and just how mad people were. And I understand that. I was like, man, just bomb them. And who cares? You know, they just, they killed thousands of Americans, but I became a neocon. And then uh, around 2004, 2005, I started having doubts about the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I said, hey, this isn't really limited government. What, what are we doing here? This is costing a lot of money. It's killing a lot of people, including American troops. 
And I, I, was, I was very questioning. I discovered the world's, world's smallest political quiz online. I took that, and it said I was a libertarian. No idea what that was. I was like, what? I thought it meant like extreme liberal or something. I knew I was not a liberal. So I looked it up, and it said people who want to maximum freedom. I was like, hey, that sounds good. Wait, that's not Republicans? I thought Republicans wanted maximum freedom, right? Right. So I became a libertarian, and it wasn't until Ron Paul, I found out about Ron Paul in 2007, where I was like, whoa, I got my guy, I got my philosophy, I got my people. So I joined the Ron Paul movement, uh, and a couple years later, I got into DC politics, think tanks and stuff, and I started a YouTube channel in 2011 to promote Ron Paul and liberty, and I've been doing liberty stuff ever since. Yeah, it's a somewhat common story. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who are either libertarian-ish or uh, small government Republican who once 9-11 hit just because it was such an emotional event and a lot of people I'm talking about were, you know, teenagers or in their early 20s at the time, kind of did take that similar neocon turn, that that kind of idea that, look, these people attacked us, so I, it makes obvious sense that we should go after them. Of course, the us and the them are uh, always a little bit in question in these situations, but uh, obviously that was a big change for you and then a big change back uh, when you found Ron Paul and sort of found yourself on the way to the ideas of liberty. I, I'm curious, as you dug into uh, libertarian ideas a little bit more, were there any other positions that you held that kind of uh, changed along the way? Like as you maybe as you did more YouTube videos and sort of dug into these ideas a little bit further yourself, uh, other than the foreign policy stuff? Yeah, you know, the whole drug thing. I was very against drug use. I thought drug use was a bad thing. And now you're a huge stoner from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, you know, I, I read libertarian philosophy about why we should legalize marijuana. And at the idea at the time, I guess this was probably 2006. I was like, man, that's a crazy idea. That's a radical idea. But then I read it. And I was like, limited government, maximum freedom. Okay. It's clicking. It's clicking. And you know, at the time that was, that was really a radical thing to say, Oh, I want to legalize marijuana. Like I remember my family members like, what's wrong with Jolie? Like something's happened to her. <laughs> uh, but now it's like pretty mainstream. So it's kind of awesome. Has she been smoking the drugs? She's saying crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, another issue, probably one of the last things I really changed my mind about is the death penalty i thought hang them high hang them in the streets for people to watch i was insane about that issue <laughs> for people to watch wow you went really really extreme <laughs> like uh, the willie nelson song okay i was like yeah like texas go texas you know put it in an express lane to kill these people um and then i was like okay i read libertarian philosophy and people said oh a lot of innocent people are put to death and i was like oh wait, huh? And you should, you give the government the power to kill people. I mean, you talk about limited government. I mean, that's the, that's crazy. So I, I really, it, that was hard for me because like nine 11, the death penalty killing people, like that's a, such an emotional topic, but I was able to look at it from a rational perspective and realize, Hey, the death penalty, that is not pro Liberty whatsoever. Since you met, you sort of mentioned your family and them uh, hearing you say all these new crazy things. Uh, are How have you, I'm, I'm just curious, like how that has evolved as your beliefs have changed and you've obviously become uh, a very outspoken public figure uh, about libertarian ideas. Has that influenced your family members at all? Have you sort of swayed any of them? Or do you just kind of kind of keep things at arm's distance for the sake of pleasant Thanksgivings and that sort of thing? I mean, not really. When, when I first started out becoming a libertarian, I was really obnoxious um, <laughs> about it. We all go through that initial phase where we just have to tell everybody about it, kind of like CrossFit or, you know, veganism. <laughs> and just like, oh, you have to watch this documentary. You have to watch this YouTube video. You have to do this. And, you know, 
and that was really obnoxious and I was not changing minds there. You know, on Facebook, they have this, you know, on this day kind of memory thing. And I actually do not look at that because I just look up how obnoxious I was a decade ago where I was just I like, I'm, I'm surprised anyone was still my Facebook friend because I was so obnoxious and, you know, pushing politics on people. And I've kind of learned just to kind of chill out about that. You don't have to agree with me. So I've kind of just kind of dropped it from people I know preaching about politics because it's annoying. And ironically, that method actually is way more effective than the method of not trying to push it on everybody. I mean, I'm the same way. I see an old post uh, where I'm just pushing a Ron Paul video and I I just kind of cringe at my approach because there was a lot of that vibe of like, come on, wake up, sheeple. What's wrong with you? Why don't you get this? Whereas no one wants to be told they're a sheeple or no one wants to be told they're mindless or evil or any of this stuff. It's just not the best approach. But I think when we first get excited about the ideas and, and feel uh, sort of woke, so to speak, uh, it's it's kind of becomes like, it, it feels like a mission. It feels like we have to be evangelists. And uh, that's true. I'm still an evangelist now, but I think I have changed my approach as you have over the years when you realize, you know, you got to, you can put your views out there, be bold, be honest, and, uh, you know, put it out there in any creative ways that, that you choose to, uh, but to, that, that's really different from shoving things down people's throats. Uh, you really have to let things kind of unfold in, in a sort of a more organic way when it comes to actually changing people's uh, hearts and minds. Yes. Hey guys, on the subject of winning hearts and minds, I want to tell you about one way to do that, and that is to share your mutual interest with people. And almost everybody out there loves music in some form or another. And that's why I want to tell you about a great podcast called Sounds Like Liberty. Sounds Like Liberty is hosted by Liberty's favorite nerdy husband, Nick Pacone, and his wife, Lizzie. They speak to guests every single week to find out who has the best music taste here in Ancapistan. And uh, the Lions of Liberty have actually been on the show, at least a good number of us. Myself, uh, Brian McWilliams, and Howie Snowden have all been on Sounds Like Liberty. We're still waiting for the John Odermatt episode, but uh, we're not actually sure if John listens to music because we already know he doesn't watch movies. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and go on over to ancapmusic.com and check out Sounds Like Liberty or just search Sounds Like Liberty on your favorite podcatcher. That's all I do. I I stick completely to the podcatchers, but Sounds Like Liberty is an excellent show and really does a great job of merging culture, music, and liberty together. I highly recommend this program. And if that wasn't enough, the show is co-hosted by a black female ANCAP. What more could you ask for? Uh, Nick did tell me to mention that in the ad, by the way. Do check out Sounds Like Liberty. Go to ancapmusic.com right now to learn more. So, Julie, let's get into this children's book that you've created here called Nobody Knows How to Make a Pizza. I'm curious, was there anything in your life that occurred, oh, I don't know, in the last year, year and a half or so that might have helped to inspire your decision to write a children's book? Well, yes, I did have a baby last year, so that kind of sparked the flames of me creating this book. But I've also had a lot of parents say that their kids like watching me on YouTube, which is kind of funny. So that definitely helped uh, spark these ideas. And I kind of wanted to write a book for a while. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write this children's book. And I had this kind of idea from iPencil. So it all came together. And for those not familiar, what exactly is iPencil? I know know, a lot of listeners will probably be familiar with it, but uh, why did that book inspire you? And how were you able to translate that idea, um, you know, sort of into this book? Uh, using pizza instead of the pencil. I read I Pencil maybe a decade ago, and it was so inspiring to me because it talks about how we think pencils are super simple and easy to make, but there's so much more that meets the eye. No one person knows how to make a pencil. It takes millions of people. So it was this kind of eye-opening story, and I wanted to make that story to, for children, and I thought that pizzas were 
more appealing than pencils for kids. So that was kind of the idea that I went with. And I know your baby is uh, you know, still very young, but uh, I'm curious, has she expressed an interest in pizza at all yet? <laughs> no, not, not so much, no. We're not no. quite there. <laughs> but as soon as she sees that book, she's going to be inspired. <laughs> And was writing a children's book something you had like sort of always had uh, thoughts about, or you know what what exactly pushed you to go from the part of thinking, well, you know, I wanna I wanna teach my child about liberty to liberty to actually taking the action of going ahead and writing a children's book. But basically, a lot of people have asked me over the years. They said, "Hey, my kids really like your YouTube videos," and that that to me was surprising because I never intended to make YouTube videos for kids. Um, all of a sudden, people were approaching me and saying, my kids like your YouTube videos. And I was like, oh, they're like, you're really talented at reaching kids. I was like, I didn't know this. That's cool. And so they were like, hey, can you write a children's book? And I thought, you know, I don't really like the whole politics, pushing politics on kids. Like, I've kind of changed that perspective like we just talked about. But I was reading um, iPencil. When you think the pencil is really a simple thing, like how how does it take millions of people and there's no central planners, there's nobody in charge to make this simple pencil, but all these people come together, spontaneous order, invisible hand, all that libertarian jargon, and they make this pencil. And I was like, this is actually a really cool thing to talk to kids. It's not exactly like politics. It's not pushing things on kids. It's economics. It's learning. It's education. But the pencil, it's pretty boring. Kids don't really care that much about pencils. They're like, yeah, school. Uh. But they like pizza, right? All kids like pizza. Except your kid, but, uh, you know, we'll get them there eventually. <laughs> I, I kind of wondered, uh, do kids even, like, use pencils nowadays? Do kids even know what a, p- a pencil is? I have no idea. Yeah, maybe they're all on iPads now. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, kids like pizza. Let's talk about how there's millions of people required to make the pizza. So I kind of, it, it, it is a ripoff of Leonard Reed. I give him a shout out. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be clear about that. But basically I wrote, uh, I pencil with pizza for kids. Very cool. So, uh, when you got this idea, uh, I'm kind of curious what, what your approach was because a lot of people might have ideas for, Oh, I want to write a book. I want to create this or that. But often that kind of stops there. Cause they say, well, I, I don't know how to do that. I've never published a book before. I don't, I don't know how to draw. Like, how am I going to write a children's book? How am I going to make a movie? So what, what was the first thing you did? to sort of take those next steps and and go from that idea stage to actually getting this process going? Like, what, what advice could you give to people out there that might sort of be in a similar situation where you had never written a children's book before, but here we are now? Uh, the biggest advice is just start. Like, you just talk about how many people say, oh, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to write a book. Yeah, great. But you need to start somewhere. Uh, I did a bunch of drafts of the book. I was trying to think of ideas. I started out with tacos at first and I switched to pizza, like, you know, going through all these kind of mind things. And so I wrote the drafts. I got an editor, which you really need as a, a writer if you want to do a professional book. So I got an editor who's familiar with children's book. She looked it over, you know, made some suggestions about how to make it clear, all that stuff like that. And then I got an illustrator online to do the pictures for me. And I I sent you the book. I I think the illustrations are really awesome. They're like legit good. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of money on them. (laughs) Totally. I mean, I'm not a child. I'm not the target audience per se, but I I thought it seemed pretty cool. It's the kind of thing that I felt like I could hand to my nephew and it would just fit right in with the rest of his children's books. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I really, I was like, I, if I'm going to make this book, I want to do it right. So I hired someone, a really professional illustrator. Um, I gave her basically what I wanted page for page. Uh, she did a great job. And then I just kind of put it together. And I had self-published because I really wanted control over the whole entire process. 
And yeah, like you said, the whole thing is that I don't want this to be, oh, this is just for libertarian parents to give to their kids. Like, I want this to be a book you can give to your nieces, nephews, whatever. And the parents are not going to get mad at you. They're not going to be like, why are you brainwashing my children? Like, I want this book. It could be at any schoolroom. Like, I I, I ran this book by kids. I ran it by teachers who just are apolitical. And they were like, yeah, I I would teach this in my classroom. It's economics, it's education. So that was really important to me. How much uh, research did you do into, like, the actual process of making a pizza along the way? Is that like, like, was there anything that you found in that process that even surprised you as someone who sort of, you know, understands these, these ideas, uh, you know, how things get created by, by people sort of doing, you know, using their own skills and knowledge and that sort of thing. Was there anything that struck you along the way of, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't realize it took, you know, that to make this part of it happen. Well, uh, like I, I was like talking about how to make a pizza. I really was like, whoa, when you, when you sit down, you think about it, like, I have no idea how to make a pizza. Like, oh, that's the whole thing of the book. Uh, all these all millions of people and all their process and all their steps. It's like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I did do some research. I basically, the book highlights a couple people who are in the process of making pizza. And that was really important to me because I pencil focuses on like what happens, but I think kids, uh, like people they can relate to that okay this person does that so i kind of did research into that to make sure basically i didn't want to make sure i was doing anything dumb like yeah I, I did some research about pizzas and how they're made but like i like i have no idea every single step to make a pizza no one does that's the whole <laughs> part of the book yeah yeah so you're kind of going through the process yourself in writing the book that you know a child might go through when they're actually reading the book and, and learning all the stuff as well Yes. Did you, uh, I'm curious, like, as you're creating this book, obviously you had, you know, you had editors to get feedback from. Uh, did you get feedback, like, from kids as well along the way? I mean, how, how did you kind of, you know, sort of brainstorm and make sure you were kind of putting out a product that was really resonating with, with the kind of, you know, the audience that you're, you know, aiming at? Yeah, I, I did run it by a couple of kids, and they were like, yeah, pizza, awesome, so... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's good news yeah as long as they're excited about pizza i, I guess you're you're sort of doing your job <laughs> and uh you know as far as feedback goes too i mean i've i mean I've, I've, obviously i read it and i had some nice things to say about it but like has the libertarian community sort of at large been uh, i guess embracing what you're doing here it's actually been endorsed by Rand paul Ooh, spicy. he said nice things about it i was on the tom woods podcast i heard he's i heard he's pretty big <laughs> yeah uh, Robert Murphy, I was on his show. He said nice things about it. So, yeah, there's quite a few people who have. Uh, I, I I made sure to send the book out to some libertarian influencers and people like you, yes. uh, and they've all I've all had positive feedback. No one has said anything negative, at least not to my face. So, <laughs> all right, now I know you've been putting a lot of time into this book here over the last uh, few months or so, uh, but I'm not sure how much you're following current events or how much you're following. Uh, the current state of things. I know you're you know, raising a child of your own as well. So have you been following this uh, crop of Democratic candidates at all? I know I didn't prepare you for this, but we can talk about a few a few modern uh, things going on, if you don't mind. A little bit I've been following it, yes. Do you have, um, I don't want to say a favorite, because I know, I know there's nobody uh, you would probably fully ag- agree with at all, uh, but is there anyone that sort of catches your eye in terms of uh, someone that you maybe could handle or like sort of uh, like certain, you know, appreciate certain things about, or do you kind of all see them as sort of a similar ilk? Well, I wouldn't vote for any of them. Um, you know, I mean, the, most of them are awful. I, to me, it's like, the Democrat Party just has to put up somebody who is somewhat sensible. Like, and to, 
I think Joe Biden, if they don't elect Joe Biden, I don't think they have a chance. Like, I, I just see Democrats on my Facebook page talk about how they don't like Joe Biden. He's boring. He's stale. It's like you have to elect him because if you elect Elizabeth Warren, there's no way in heck she's going to beat Trump. Not that I not that I care. I'm just trying to think it from a Democratic perspective. Like Joe Biden would be the best chance of beating Trump. And these people want somebody more radical. They want Bernie Sanders. They want Elizabeth Warren, who is more pure to the leftist agenda. It's like, okay, go nominate that person. Trump is going to win. I, I don't know. I just think it's silly. Yeah, I actually think Biden is probably the worst choice personally because to me he's really? just he just has he has a lot of the qualities that Trump has and just in the sense of on, on on the very surface you know he's older he's sort of seen as like a bombastic tough guy and I, I think if you put him against Trump it's it's all he's going to be doing is trying to sort of like be a, a crappy version of Trump. And I just don't think that's, that's ever going to work. Although I, I agree with you. I don't think that Warren or Bernie or really anyone has a chance um, in the current state of affairs. I think they would have to go with someone in a sort of a radically different direction, at least for a Democrat, which it, it doesn't really appear like, like at least the Democratic establishment is interested in doing. I mean, they, they shut down interesting candidates, I would say. Again, not people I would agree with wholly, but more interesting candidates. Uh, people like Tulsi Gabbard, uh, sort of Looney Tunes characters like like Marianne Williamson, they're already being shuffled off to the side and, and being kept out of debates. Uh, so it doesn't seem like they're really going to be open to anyone who's either not uh, very establishment or is you know to the extreme left wing of things. I, I think that's stupid, though, because I feel like everyone on the left is going to vote for the Democratic candidate no matter what right. like against Trump. They have to get moderate people they have to get republicans who don't like trump uh, i feel like all these like you call it looney tunes leftists like there's no way in heck that a moderate is going to vote for them i don't know why i'm giving them advice right now but <laughs> no I, I agree with you on that i'm just not sure I, I think biden is just so politically dead from 30 years of running for uh, you know for, he, he's run for president so many times that i think when you do that so much and you continuously fall short it's i think it's really hard to to be taken seriously after you know so many decades of this i only realized the other day when we were doing one of our democratic recaps which it totally blew my mind joe biden was like around in the 60s in politics that was 50 years that was almost 60 years ago Damn. i mean that is just <laughs> mind-blowing so I, I don't know what the answer is for the Democrats. I guess neither of us are really here to give them advice. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, too, because I haven't seen you involved, per se, in the Libertarian Party itself. I'm not sure if you have been at all. Uh, but I'm kind of curious how you view Libertarian Party politics and, uh, you know, what the ro sort of role, role should be of the Libertarian Party. Do you have any sort of thoughts on this? And I'm just, you know, I'm throwing stuff at you on the fly here that I, I never prepared you for. But that, that's part of the fun. <laughs> I've spoken at Libertarian Party events before. I would like to consider myself a friend to the party. Um, I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party. I'm actually a registered Republican. I know, okay, whatever. Um, but I voted for Ron Paul in the primaries, and that's why I became a Republican. I'm just not really into political parties like if you watch my youtube channel i'm mostly talking about ideas i'm mostly talking about policies i was a policy analyst at freedom works for a while for me it's always been more about policy than politics um except for the ron paul thing that besides that i think just because it's hard for me to get 100 percent behind a candidate or 100 percent against for a party like the Libertarian Party, I know they are not pro-life, and that's become a more, uh, I don't know, an issue for me. Um, I know they are for open borders, which I, I have very 
concerns about. So it's, it's hard for me to say, oh, I'm part of the Libertarian Party because, or even I'm part of, I said I was a Republican, but that's just because of voting. Um, it's hard for me to get 100% behind a candidate or a party these days because, you know, I'm more about ideas and I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense here, okay? <laughs> You're always making sense, Julie. Now, I, I can't let you go because I know that there's going to be people in the audience both uh, go both ways on this, probably really, but they're gonna are gonna hear your, your comment about you have concerns about open borders and maybe wonder what you mean. Uh, do, do you care to expand a little bit just on what you mean, like when you say you're sort of have concerns about the policy and then how that might relate to? Because I, I think there are people of all sort of ideas that might all agree that humans should have freedom of movement. It's only when we try to apply that to, I guess, sort of the current situation where the state controls the borders that they sort of come into conflict. So, how, how what exactly are your concerns with, I guess, uh, I guess what might be the, called the libertarian party position? of open borders, of free movement, and that sort of thing? Sure. I mean, it seems like the Libertarian Party position is 100% open borders, just let anyone come in. And to me, in the status quo, the way we're, we are right now, I just don't see that as practical. I mean, with a welfare state, I think you're just going to bankrupt this country, and that's not something that I would like to happen. Like Milton Freeman, who is a pretty mainstream libertarian guy, even said you can't have open borders in a welfare state. You know, I think a lot of times libertarians talk about these ideal, perfect situations, and it's like that's not reality. That's I try to focus on reality and practical solutions. And I know some libertarians will say, well, you can privatize the border and all these kind of uh, ideas. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. But that's not going to happen. So where do we go from here? Do you think that, I guess, in sort of the ideal libertarian society or, or your version of an ideal society, that that would be the case, though, that there would just be free movement of people? Is it more because of like Milton Friedman's view was more like because of the welfare state and that sort of thing? Is it more just the way the state is involved in our lives as it is that prevents you from sort of accepting a, a current, you know, an open borders position uh, in sort of the current modern context? That's a large part of it. I've heard libertarian arguments saying for private property, like we would have communities and they would decide who comes in and goes and maybe but to me these are just so far out from the reality that it's hard for me to even endorse it it just seems so far from what we're dealing with here well when it comes to your political positions that you that you you know speak out about uh, i know you've, you've slowed down on the youtube a little bit probably while you were working on this book but in general what are the subjects that you're sort of the most passionate speaking about whether it's on your youtube video or just in real life when you you know get into conversations with friends and that sort of thing what are the issues that you're actually you know you can you can feel the, the goosebumps when you get fired up about what really gets your your, your i guess your your liberty passion flowing I would say foreign policy is one. I mentioned that foreign policy was a big driver in getting me involved in libertarian movements. I think that's really imp important to me because I understand the other side. I understand the neocon uh, side, so I'm able to kind of get people in. I know I've done that with YouTube. Um, I've had messages from people saying that I supported the wars and I watched your videos and it made sense to me, so I moved to a more non-interventionist foreign policy. I would say that's probably one of the biggest drivers for me. Uh, just government spending issues, healthcare. I mean, all those kind of good uh, policy wonky topics. Yeah. Yeah. I find, I often find people are not only most passionate about, but also 
maybe the best at arguing against or, or for a position that they used to be against, you know, because you came around on foreign policy, you know, all the arguments and the, and the best you know persuasion to use on someone, especially that someone that might come from a small government position or, or a more right position like yourself, because you did that exact same thing. You actually got pulled over to the libertarian side of things, you know, you know, through those arguments. Uh, going back to the book, Julie, I'm curious, like, were there any challenges that you ran into? Because you make it sound pretty easy that, you know, you just found an editor, found an artist and got this thing done. But I'm sure along the way, we all learn a bunch of things that we or run into a bunch of conflicts and problems that we were not expecting. So did you run into anything like that, you know, in, in the process of putting this book together that was a challenge that you had to overcome that you weren't expecting? It was difficult for me to get it down to 32 pages. Uh, 32 seems to be like kind of the standard children's book for that age range. It's from four to eight year olds, I would say. Uh, I I had a lot of information. I was like, how can I put this to 32 pages and you know, get my point across because like it's your children's book. I've, I've written a bunch of like long essays and stuff like that, but they say you should be like 700 words for a children's book. I was like, okay, how can I convey that message and make it entertaining and make it fun in that uh, short amount of uh, space? So that was a bit challenging for me, I would say. All right, now, Julie, if you're going to write uh, a book about pizza, even if it's only 32 pages and even if it's for kids, you're kind of putting yourself out there as a pizza person, a pizza expert of sorts. So I have to ask you a couple questions about pizza. Uh, so I'm curious, first of all, uh, are you a, a cheese pizza person or are you someone that prefers to you know, have toppings on your pizza? I do like cheese pizza. However, I know you're going to ask me about pineapples. <laughs> I was going to build to it slowly, but we all know where it was going to lead eventually, of course, <laughs> to the greatest and controversy yes, of all time. Yes, I, I do like pineapples on my pizza and I don't really get the controversy about it. Uh, I like pineapples. I like pizza. It's okay to put them together. I have no shame in that. Do you have a, a preference when it comes to crust? Are you like a thin crust person, uh, a deep dish person? What, what's your crust preference? I, I just, I like normal crust. If it's <laughs> cheese filled, that's a bonus. Ooh, cheese filled. Now we're getting serious. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about what about your favorite overall topping? If you could just if you were on a desert island with unlimited pizza and you could only choose one topping for the rest of your life, what would it be? Don't say pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said pineapple just to piss people <laughs> off, but um, you know, I like white pizza. Just no tomato sauce, just white pizza. Have you ever had people the white pizza that? with clams? Because that's that's the key right there. I don't know if I've ever had the pizza, but I've had uh, like linguine, however you say that, and clams and white sauce, and that's that's good. Just take away the linguine, add the pizza, and there you have it. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Highly recommend it sometime. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this book. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that uh, everyone knows all the ways that they can find this book. Obviously, nowadays, it's, it's almost redundant because everyone just goes to Amazon. But feel free to run through any way people can find more about the book, uh, how they can get it to people. It's, it makes a great holiday gift uh, for the little ones. Of course, we have the holidays coming up very, very soon. But uh, feel free to, to uh, you know do the whole roundabout of how people can find the book, how people can find uh, more information about contacting you, social media. And pl- feel free to plug away on anything else you got going on. The book is on Amazon. Uh, you can just search it. You will find it. That's the best way to get it. Also, I have a website called libertyjunkies.com. It's going to be on there. I'm going to sign. Uh, I'm going to sell signed personalized copies. Uh, so if you want one of those, you can go to libertyjunkies.com. Uh, my social media, my Facebook, my Twitter, and my YouTube is Julie Borowski. Uh, my Instagram is Julie underscore Borowski. All right, Julie Borowski, keep up the great work. 
Keep on roaring. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right, my Liberty Kitty Cats, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with our old friend Julie Borowski. And uh, she's been making the rounds promoting this book, but I really wanted to bring her on for a Lions of Liberty interview to get this in front of you guys and really pitch it to you personally because, uh, you know, I have a young nephew and I've been ra- not raising him. <laughs> I've been visiting him for years and I, I always read him books. And, uh, you know, when, when I saw that Julie had had done this children's book, Nobody ho- Knows How to Make a Pizza and that it was inspired by iPencil, I just, I just had to check it out. And before I could even reach out to her, she reached out to me, sent me a copy, wanted to get my thoughts, and I absolutely loved it. So I definitely am um, glad she was able to get this thing done. And it really goes to show, if you have an idea, you don't need to be an expert on how to do that idea. Those experts already exist. Many of them are people you can access. The information is all things you can access nowadays with the internet. So if you want to do something, just gather yourself together and do it. That's how I did this podcast. That's how Julie went ahead and got this book done. So uh, please do check out. I made a special URL just for you guys so you don't forget to use our Amazon. Amazon link because if you buy Julie's book through our Amazon link, not only do you get the book and you help Julie, and that's awesome, you also get a kickback to your favorite libertarian podcast, Lions of Liberty. So, what a wonderful thing. So head over to lionsofliberty.com slash pizza. It's that simple. Lionsofliberty.com slash pizza. Use that link. Click on the little you know picture of the book there and go right into Amazon. Click that purchase. If you have a young little lad in your life or a relative or anything like that, it's a, it's a very inoffensive book. Like Your relatives will not think, oh my God, I can't believe they're sending libertarian propaganda unless they happen upon this interview first or, first, or they happen to uh, suspect so because it's really not uh, preachy in any way. It just much like iPencil really just describes a lot of the intricacies of the processes and um, the division of labor that goes into the creation of any product really. In this case, it's a fun product, a product that kids all over the world love, and that is pizza. And I love pizza myself. And just Recording this episode and finishing this this wrap up here has me craving pizza. So uh, watch out. I might be might be making some phone calls after after I get done here for a little pizza of my own. Anyway, I hope you're not sick of hearing from me just yet this week because you're going to hear from me again this coming Wednesday when I will be on Electric Liberty Land with your good friend Brian McWilliams, who hosts that show every single Wednesday, your weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty, Electric Liberty Land on Lions of Liberty, of course. This is the greatest libertarian variety show on Earth, the original libertarian variety show. Myself here with the flagship every single Monday, doing interviews like the one you heard today, uh, occasional roundtables, libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor like you heard with our very insane episode last week uh, with Carr and Bird of the Friends Against Government and of course Brian with Electric Liberty Land on Wednesdays and John wrapping it up and continuing to just crush it with amazing interviews, uh, stories of people overcoming the odds and uh, of, of the broken criminal justice system and that is of course Felony Friday hosted by John Odermatt. Hit that subscribe button whether you listen on iTunes on Stitcher, wherever you listen, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five star rating and a great review. That makes sure that you get each and every episode, three days per week, along with helping us and telling the world about your favorite libertarian podcast. But on that episode of Electric Liberty Land, Brian and I will be reviewing the Joker movie that both of us watched. Not together, sadly. We did not get to hold hands in the theater or anything like that. Uh, But we both saw it last week, and uh, due to some requests from our Lions of Liberty Pride, our supporters on Patreon, of course, you can support this show for as little as $2 a month now. That doesn't get you access to everything, but does get you access to our Facebook group and our live streams, and that's a a pretty big feature in and of itself. But you can check that out at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, but Brian and I do tackle the Joker movie. Uh, One thing we do not tackle 
because we just didn't really have time to fully get into it, though. But that is something that is, I think it's been an, uh, something that's come up a lot in libertarian circles lately, and that is the issue of borders and what the proper libertarian position of borders should be. And Brian did say something on his show last week that kind of rankled me because I hear it said a lot, and uh, the more and more I hear it, the more and more it bothers me. And that's because it's just, in my opinion anyway, we'll discuss it more down the road, as I'll explain in a second here, but the idea that we cannot have uh, open borders or we cannot have open immigration or we need border restrictions, any kind of you know flavor of that statement as long as we have a welfare state or as long as we have the current welfare state. And that is a talking point that uh, let's just say I'm not a big fan of it. I don't believe it to be true at all, first of all. And I, I believe it really does miss the point of the non-aggression principle and the connection to what a libertarian morality should be. However, I don't want to go on a further rant of it here. I did actually bring this up a little bit uh, in the interview with Julie. Uh, but I, I, I see this commonly talked about a lot. And uh, because I heard Brian you know, kind of mention that, I brought up in our private group, our secret Facebook group for our patrons, again, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty to join up there. Uh, we came to the idea that we were going to do a little conversation in podcast form about this. However, since we did not have time on this week's Electric Liberty Land in two days, which is already recorded, obviously, uh, we will be doing a live stream conversation. They call it a debate. It's not really going to be a debate. We're not going to have a formal host. Our friend Remzo uh, did offer to host. Of course, you should check out his book, How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship. Click through our link at lionsofliberty.com slash Amazon to do that. Uh, but we are going to have a conversation about the issue because uh, I really think, and I, I want to give him a chance because he didn't really go into it in too depth, he, uh, his, his actual position on on you know, on know borders and uh, immigration. So I want to first give him the opportunity to really flesh out his thoughts on the matter so that I can properly respond to it. Because uh, this is an issue that I think I, I've become very passionate about over the years. And I, for a while, I think I sort of took it for granted that libertarians kind of agreed on it. And I'm more and more hearing things that make me think this is more of something we have to hash out. And the reason I started this program was to hash out these ideas, was to take the ideas of non-aggression, uh, of individual rights, and try to apply them to everything. And in some cases, it's not that easy. And I will concede that the border immigration issue can be a dicey one uh, until you really dissect it. And that's what I want to do. So we are going to do a special live stream for our patrons only uh, this coming Thursday. And I believe it'll be 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It'll be just Brian and I, uh, spending who knows how long hashing out this issue, trying to uh, sort of, I guess, counter each other's objections and, uh, I guess, prove our point. Not necessarily win, quote, quote, unquote, win the argument. Although, of course, I will be the winner. We know that. But uh, the, the idea really is to engage in this conversation and push it forward. So our patrons will get first look at that in a live stream. Uh, it, I do believe this is an important issue, so I do want to try to incorporate it into a public podcast at some point, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to pan out. It might be in one of his shows eventually, one of my shows eventually, we shall see. But if you want to get that live stream, as little as two bucks, you can join the secret Facebook group and get access to all the live streams. So please do head over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty and see me and Brian duke it out. It's going to be a good time, folks. And until next time, kids, don't forget to always live long and live free. <laughs>